Welcome to another interesting, exciting episode of Darker Days Radio. We are a horror and, uh, well, horror and many other hobbies right now, wargaming podcast, uh, normally focusing on things like World of Darkness and Chronicles of Darkness, if you're new to us, though we do have a, also cover other horror RPGs, and that is going to be the topic of today. We'll be talking to Charlie from Parable Games and quickly going over again about Shiver, because we spoke to Charlie at UK Games Expo, and then we're going to be talking to Charlie about the, um, Parable Games' upcoming Kickstarter for their new game called Don't Play This Game. Uh, I am one of your regular hosts, Chris, and I am joined by uh, one of our other regular hosts, Crystal. Hello, Crystal. Hello. How are things going, Crystal? Uh, they are definitely going. Yeah, I know the feeling. <laughs> yeah. What you cannot see is I have a desk that is... So, to give you an idea, I have what you can see in front of me, uh, this obviously, in the mind's eye of people listening, I've got my desk with the keyboard. So the side is my work laptop, because I have a separate laptop for all that. And then, to my other side, I have about a third of my paints out, <laughs> because I've been painting <laughs> Tyranids that are there. And then I've also got my Kingdom Death figures. And then behind me is also the giant black box of Kingdom Death uh, Gambler's expansion. And that's just miniatures, and it's about that thick and yeah. that big. It's you need to massive. share with me when you paint the fig that I sent you from Gen Oh, Con. yeah, it's it's totally it's totally a rad, rad model. Um, I've been working on some <laughs> pin-up miniatures just to kind of get myself in the mood for painting awesome. fl- flesh. Um, and uh, what interesting things have you been up to, Crystal? Anything fun hobby-wise? Um, well, um, I started back, uh, teaching, um, for the school year, um, which has started off really, really good. And now I'm starting to get into the swing of things. Hobby wise, I'm working on several different projects. Um, I'm hoping to get, um, our Robo Pip primer out. Um, this is, this has been a little bit longer because we've had some snafus with people, um, that work further on down the project line. Um, but we're working them out and we're going to get it out there. And then I will have two different um, PIP primers that I have written over the summer um, because I played around a lot with the mechanics um, and I didn't want (laughs) anyone who is new to the game to be playing around with those mechanics. Um, One is going to be a Hono Bono PIP, which I talked about a little bit, which is like gentle role-playing. It's also going to be like a solo PIP adventure. Um, if you like things like um, Animal Crossing or oh, okay. even even like uh, Cult of the Lamb um, with uh, with less murder, um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you can uh, that's going to be the game for you. And then um, another one that I don't want to talk about because I have to reach out to previous writers because I'm I'm making a statement game <laughs> on right, some yeah, things okay. that are happening in the industry right now. So uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Okay, cool. Yeah, I finished up on some writing contracts um, recently and awesome. got some other ones in the works. Like, I was really happy I finished up stuff. So I'm, I'm eagerly waiting. I don't know the date for when the Absolver book comes out for, for from Cubicle 7 for Wrath and Glory. Um, though I did paint a classic second edition classic Space Marine. So from the classic Space uh, Warhammer 40,000 second edition box set for Darren Lathan's... Um, 90s marine challenge that was on instagram so i painted up as oh, an absolver cool. and he's he's so dinky compared to a primaris <laughs> marine it's just ridiculous it's ridiculous but that's where i started obviously with wargaming and everything in general um yeah and obviously playing necromunda but we'll keep all that wargaming shenanigans to realm of fire because i really need to get another episode of that done um yep. other episodes of things coming up we should do if i can pin down mike we will get done the last of the chaos gods episodes for um dark hammer i want to talk about the orgoth for dark iron because they're kind of fun uh and we've got a cool episode i'm recording on monday which i'm not going to talk about yet that is adjacent to everything we do anyway so that's going to be a fun episode um i'm gonna um now that school is back in the swing of things, I'm going to keep recording my RPG mentorship podcast. Oh yeah. Cool series as well. And keep going with that. And then we also have, I'm hoping to have it done for Halloween. I'm almost done with the blog post for my ghost hunting 
that I did yes. over the summer um, with everything. So I wanted to get that recorded with you guys too. That'd be cool. Yeah. Um, that'd be really good. Yeah. We'll have to talk about, um, that'll be something for the, for the, the, the mentorship thing. We should really talk yep. about layout, laying out PDFs. Cause I've done some of that. I'm yep. going to be doing some more. Um, so I'm getting more practice with that. Anyway, that's enough bollocks for now. Uh, let's move on to the main point of this topic, uh, this episode. So, Charlie, um, welcome to the show. Um, thank you again for chatting to me at UK Games Expo and giving us a brief overview of um, of Shiver, but in a less noisy environment, more controlled <laughs> conditions. Um, how about you introduce yourself, how you got into RPGs and gaming in general, and really where Parable Games came from? Absolutely. Hi, um, thanks for thanks for having me. Um, yeah, no, I'm Charlie Menzies. I'm the creative director over at Parable Games. Um, in terms of like where I got started with RPGs, it was probably back in university that I kind of discovered it with the very typical. Someone wanted to run D and D five E, ran some games. It was very fun. I got hooked um, and kind of was very much kind of more of a player um, to begin with. Um, but then after leaving university, um, so a little bit of context, kind of before I moved into game design, I was in film and TV production. Um, so I'd kind of traveled around the UK doing various freelance bits. And I eventually ended up moving to London, but none of my friends were there. And I was writing um, prose stuff and scripts and, and things in the background. And I ended up winning a uh, competition um, for a short story that I wrote, which finally gave me the money so I could actually afford all the D&D books I needed to <laughs> run games, because um, before that, I could not. Um, so I got those and like set up like a online game to kind of stay in touch with my screenwriter friends and kind of people who I, was, I, was, um, I used to kind of make films with. Um, and it was really, really fun. Like I really got the bug for being a GM, um, kind of tinkered and played around um, kind of with 5e quite a bit. But I started butting up against a couple of problems when um, running 5e of that. I'm a huge horror movie nerd, and I kept trying to replicate horror movie scenarios, including <laughs> Tremors, Friday the 13th, um, A Haunted House Story, all within kind of the same campaign, with very, very mixed degrees of success. Mm -hmm. And um, on the other side of that, for my players, um, quite a few of them were dyslexic or dysnumerate and were really struggling with d d is a system, 5 in particular. Yeah. So we kind of had these things of like, I was, I'm sure for, for those who kind of gem out there know what it's like trying to run horror and keep that tension and atmosphere up. With d d it kind of feels like you're pulling all the levers and ropes behind the scenes to make all the special effects mm -hmm. work. And it's very, very, it's a, it's a large amount of management. Um, and for my players, they were getting constantly pulled out by not knowing what to roll, having to do maths, finding stuff quite tricky. Um, so yeah. I decided I kind of had some had some time off work um, one time and I basically homebrewed like a small system, really simple, bare bones and just ran like one shot movie nights um, kind of with my friends to kind of warm into that system, looking to potentially transfer our D&D game into something that was a bit easier. Um, and I'd written that all out in various notebooks and stuff. And one time I went back, um, back up uh, north to, to Nottinghamshire, uh, where kind of most of my family's based and where I'm now based uh, again. I've, I've moved back up here. Um, and my brother owns a friendly local gaming store. Um, and he was very interested in what I've been up to. So I showed him my notebook after Christmas dinner and he was flicking through with a glass of whiskey. And then he kind of closed it and looked at me and said, when do you want to make it? And I was very much like, oh, I, I thought you'd just enjoy this because it was just a fun thing I was doing with my friends. And he was like, no, this is something I'm not seeing in my store is a mm -hmm. system that replicates that B-movie horror atmosphere and as well as so broadly. because And then that went on to become Shiver. We developed that together because what Shiver is, it's a universal toolkit that lets you bring your favorite horror movies to life and that can be in any setting 
any any time as any character anywhere so you can really play tremors one night then do aliens the next do you know peasants fighting demon boars you can really jump around uh, the map and kind of play any kind of horror movie you can imagine or adapt any horror movie book tv show piece of horror media that you love and bring it to life on the tabletop and that's shiver and that's how it kind of came to be and how i got into role playing kind of all roles into one cool no that's that's great i mean so then you just then had to go through the process of i guess you know actually turning notes into actual words because oh yeah 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 (laughs) and then of course you need art and then Mm. there's the whole fun of is it just going to be on pdf or is it going Mm. to be printed and the fun of of uh of and i've done some of that i've done that when at one point stuff was going to be print when we were going to be able to get some stuff on print on demand and you know getting making stuff for drive through rpg that is just a pdf versus it can be printed has mm. other issues yeah. to do with what is it it's, isn't it the thing that isn't it indesign checks it checks the saturation isn't it of the ink like what what so- it would be I, so so I taught so I do the layout and print stuff for all of our books as well. So yeah. I taught myself it um, when we kind of got started, and yeah, yeah there, there's tons of like I was very, for the first book I was woefully unaware of how much um, kind of work and stuff that was gonna go into it. So I had spent many late nights kind of learning kind of new things talking to the printers Um, i think the thing you're talking about there is um you have an ink limit so basically like there is a percentage level of ink and color that can be used on a page um without it like just being dripping with ink or using too much beyond the budget so so it's yeah no and that's just like one facet don't get me started on trapping like I hate Dutters, yeah, yeah. Um, lead. What, this sorry, is why that? I am not a layout person. What's, at all. Sorry, what's that one? <laughs> Do you say that is that trapping or tracking? A trapping, trapping. trapping. So what's that mean? So, so trapping is to do with how um, text is outlined in order to kind of compensate for drift within the print process. Oh, so, okay. And in Shiver, it was a pain in the ass because um, so black text, like you, you don't really know about it if you're doing black text on general like lighter background. Um, when you do white text on black background, which because it's a horror game and it looks really punchy, it's my favorite. Um, you have to do it manually on every section of text and get uh, it right. And I've, I've there was a lot that, of miscommunications yo. about measurements of like how thick the trapping should be, how is it applied. It was like a whole. Right. They basically had to teach. Our, our printers were lovely. Like they basically had to teach me how to trap manually because it was really difficult to do for that. You know, for a two hundred and forty page book, it was a bit of a nightmare. Wow. Oh, that's something I'm going to have to read up. That'll be really interesting. I mean, I, I think for a while we're going to s- just stick to like doing digital. And um, I don't think anything I'm working on has or will have white text on on black. But, yeah. It's a bit of advice for me. Uh, poss- possibly avoid it. Aesthetically, yeah. it looks very pretty, but it can be a real killer. It's um, also a nightmare for accessibility. So yeah, <laughs> I mean it's it's really nice if it. I mean I'm I I have everything in dark mode, obviously on screen. So that's the yep, only I think I that's the only case where it's fine is if you've got PDFs is dark mode PDFs. They're they're a joy, but otherwise no. Um. So yeah, with with so that's how you got in. So hmm. and then also you went through the Kickstarter process. How how did you find that? Because Kickstarter has changed a lot in what people expect from it as backers i think mo- there's also maybe a, a difference in expectations from collaborators on a project from what mm. they get out of it and then obviously there's costs because when was sh- when was shiver in development and going through that process because obviously I, I guess you were in kind of straddling the pandemic or so it went to kickstarter during the pandemic so it was 2020 i think wow. the campaign launched in october um then we funded during then and did production as we kind of came out of the pandemic and then got hit with the shipping crisis yeah that oh, no. it was it was like literally <laughs> still delivered on time so, so i was very happy but it was or oh, it was yeah it was um a real because we had a big discussion about it of do we wait 
and see where things land with the pandemics. This is not going to be representative of like running a normal campaign. It's going to feel very different. Um, but I would argue now that that post pandemic landscape has drastically changed Kickstarter and expectations yeah. anyway. So, so, yeah. so, so we would have been dealing with something quite different um, if we'd waited, but uh my bro- my brother's sheer confidence of no hail mary kick we're going to do it now the game's great i think people hmm. will want this and we want people playing horror movies at home one of the big things that we did is that we pumped uh, a good chunk of our development fund that we kind of put into it to building a online dice roller for free um because obviously shiver uses symbolic dice which we'll yeah. get into a little bit later but we wanted to make sure that as soon as the game was released and digital files were going out that people could play it the way that it was designed like we do have numerical conversions but the system just sings when you use the symbolic dice so we were kind of yeah so so, so that was there up front and center really really early so that was one of the big changes what's that app, kickstarter what, stressful yeah. <laughs> what's that uh your dice roller what what um how did you design that like what's what's the um because sorry I, i've i've designed i did a i've got a i've got a behind the scenes i've got a a character sheet builder that I use for um, checking things that I put into for like mm-hmm. um, for my contract work to make out all the, to make sure the mass for the NPCs work out right. So mm-hmm. that's all written in Python and uses was it Python mm-hmm. Dash and runs in the cloud, so I don't yeah. actually have to have it anywhere. So with your dice roll, kind of like what's the tech stack for like that? Out of um, so in terms of like the development of it, so I, I didn't code it, but I I basically designed like the did it in like adobe xd and did like yeah. an explainer of like how it should work and then worked yeah. with our friend james brauns who's a programmer um, okay. on it i'm trying to remember what he might have done it in react i think yeah okay Off, that makes yeah. sense um yeah. And, and yeah because it, it has playing around with it right now yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a, so it's it's a react javascript or it's mostly it's either javascript or it'll be typescript i mostly imagine I so, so yeah. yeah i'm i need to start learning for my day job is uh yeah. typescript and we're going to use we're actually we're, we should be using react it's hmm. uh yeah um yeah that's something i i'm kind of again kind of like straddling on things is like i can do this now i have confidence i can build something in the cloud and leave it on aws and anyone can use it but i don't want them to use it too much because then it charges me um (laughs) you can't have too many instances of it running or else else my account's gonna get wasted right so and that's something we can get on to talking about with shiver and we can we can go over what we um covered at uk games i suppose so as you say shiver is a horror rpg that accommodates any kind of type of horror film horror genre genre you've seen so if you want to run a giallo you could do that if you want to run uh hammer horror you could do that if you want to run saw you can do that but i don't see why that would be that much fun because saw is just so blasé these days um you could run slashes you could run anything uh really with the system which is really good and then the core the core aspect is you've got as you say you've got these narrative dice so you've got symbols on them to and each symbol relates to a particular stat and when you roll those dice, it kind of helps you a understand whether you've succeeded, but also b give some flavor, some color to the action that you're doing. Or if you don't succeed the way you're expecting, you might be able to succeed in a different manner. So rather than using your wits, you use your brute force or something magic, kind of supernatural occurs. Exactly. Yeah. So, so we call, we've called that um, reading the knuckle bones. So it's yeah. a it's a it's a nice fun way we found of like reading mixed success within kind of a dice pool that's entirely symbolic. Um, obviously, like she was very story focused, like we wanted it to feel like playing a movie. So we very much encouraged like when you know you see a sea of one color or shape um, that is not not what you intended, but something you, something you get that both director, so our version of a GM and player can kind of improvise and play off of that dice pool together and we found it's been really really good for new players and new gms because if somebody fails they say like you rolled a nine you fail what do you want to do next it doesn't really it it doesn't really give you kind of a yes and hook to move forward sometimes with numerical systems which can be really tricky for both new gms and new players of then not really knowing what to do and getting a bit paralyzed by it but 
if a GM who's more experienced is like nudging a player being like, well, you wanted to kick down the door, but you rolled a load of smarts here rather than grit. Like, can you think of like a smart way that maybe they, they kind of get around this using the environment possibly? So, so it can be like that nice little nudge um, to kind of move things forward in a different way. Um, there's also interesting stuff in the dice pool when you fail or you get one of those mixed successes and you roll strange. So it engages another narrative mechanic called the doom clock. So for every strange symbol, um, so it's our symbol for anything that crosses the line of normality. So like changing into a werewolf, levitating a chair, um, using dark magic, um, the work, speaking to ghosts, um, whatever, as long as it's a little bit weird, it's going to go in the strange pool. Um, for all those strange symbols that are present, it ticks up a minute on the doom clock. And at 15 minute markers, horror movie events happen. So with all the stories that we write for Shiver, we give you four major events um, that replicate that kind of three-act movie structure um, kind of for you and give you some big moments to splash in on your players. Um, to like take a slasher movie, for example, um, so at quarter past, somebody might cut the power at Camp Crystal Lake. Yeah. Um, then somebody sabotages the school bus, which is like, your main escape vehicle. Quarter two, Camp Counselor Kenny screams, he's dead. Key NPC is out of the game. He cannot help you find a shotgun anymore. He is dead. And then at midnight, your Jason Voorhees or your Michael Myers, your Freddy Krueger, your Ghostface comes out of the woods and becomes more of a permanent stalking threat within the world. So it yeah. gives you that element of narrative pace. Um, and the really nice thing I find though is this, like we were talking about earlier with D&D, with the juggling element that I was talking about with like trying to maintain that horror tone, that tension, um, what it I find the Doom Clock does kind of in terms of like how I designed it was when you it gives it a massive uh, consequence for failure that's visual for the players. Yeah. So when they fail or get that mixed success and it ticks up in front of them because we track it along the top of our screens on the back of the sheets, people start biting their nails. They consider like, should I be rolling right now? It should is someone who's actually you know going to succeed at this? Should they roll? Should I give it a stab? Um, it, it's like so it becomes more of a negotiation around who's going to be rolling. Like, should we be rolling? Like, ah, like if I roll, if I fail, like you know something's going to happen. I don't know what it is. It's going to be spooky. It's going to be bad. Um, that's all they know because all of those events are obscured from the players. So it kind of just creates this very palpable tension. Um, that is completely controlled by the players and how they interact with it, their decisions, and ultimately their failures when they roll. I love those stress mechanics that do that, where it it makes the players like absolutely second guess everything that they mm. do. And I feel like that helps to keep everybody into that horror mind frame, even when you're having to do things like roll dice and stuff that might take you or pull you out traditionally. Like that visual and, and that feel of like, oh no, something bad's going to happen doesn't go away. Yeah. I mean, that's that's why, you know, obviously I think the evolution we saw in, in Vampire, for instance, with um, with Hunger Dice is good because yep. it's a tactile reminder of your vampire's about to lose his rag. Um, and then also, I'm right in thinking, aren't I, Charlie, that this the the system is also the the players are always the people that are are rolling the dice. The GM never has is never rolling against players. It's they, they're setting the the challenge, and the and the players are rolling. Yeah, so, so, so the GM only really rolls when they're contesting against an enemy. I would yeah, say, or, okay. or, or they're or they're rolling to control an enemy. Um, that's that that's it in 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 terms yeah. of it. The the players are then and then rolling against. Uh, they set the challenge, and the players are rolling. So yeah, so so that means for for people listening to this, then uh, who are you? Know, if you for your touchstones of where to kind of you know you're thinking of of grabbing hold of shiver, you know, I think for for, for me personally, there's there's elements I recognise from like the Power by the Apocalypse and and Blades mm -hmm. in the Dark, yep. uh, Cipher system with with it's it is Cipher with Star Wars, isn't it? With the narrative dice, I've got uh, this question. Yes, yes, the, the Cipher system, Star Wars, because there's a couple of different Star Wars iterations. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah the Star Wars system. with a yeah has has symbols. I mean, that actually preceding that was Warhammer fantasy third edition you also used um uh symbols in its role play game for how things happen so yeah i mean that's that's good and obviously it's a dice pool system which is great because this comes back to what you were saying charlie like um it's just so easy when it's a dice pool it's like an extra die is good 
one less die is bad. Not someone tells you to roll 2d4 plus 2, and you're like, is that better than rolling d6 plus 3? It's like not everyone has in their head averages and percentiles mm. and and uh, and how to accommodate that. And that that is why ultimately I'm a big fan of dice pool systems or things that are where you can see the bell curve and it's it's very obvious to players what a what a die does to the an extra die or remove one does to the game for them. Mm. Um, that's great, cool. Uh, and then there's quite a few things that you that you had out at UK Games Expo for Shiver. So there's there's a few setting there's setting books or kind of like genre books, weren't there? There's um... yeah. So our first major expansion that we've done after the kind of core system um, and the storybook that went alongside it uh, was Shiver Gothic, which is a mixture of new rules like like addendum rules that you can kind of add in, um, as well as a setting book. So it's a bit of a blend. So. In terms of on the rules front, what it adds is rules for playing as monsters. So if you wanted to like assemble your very own like League of Extraordinary Gentlemen or your BPRD like type teams, is very much in that vein within like a kind of Hammer Horror yeah. style world. However, like I kind of have, I always stress this with Shiver of that there is nothing stopping you taking the Frankenstein's monster rules, the Invisible Man rules, and throwing them into space or throwing yeah. them even further back in time. Like it, it, It's designed to be very much easy. Like You can pull those rules out and you can place them wherever you want in whatever story that you want. So you can very much do you know, the 1980s monster squad, but the kids are the bad guys and the, yeah. poor, old, the poor old monsters are the goodies. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, but, um, but yeah, so, so that's the kind of, with um, some extra backgrounds. And we also introduced the Doom Calendar, which is about um, longer form play, okay. tying together um, like Doom, uh, Doom clocks. So they have more of a kind of long lasting effect um as well as the players kind of bigger like narrative decisions as well so what it whilst the doom clock tends to affect things in the immediacy of time around the players and make things worse what the doom calendar does is it affects the world around the players so the setting um that the gothic book is, is set within is spy home it's an original big gothic walled city um in the last a kind of bastion of europa that still has monsters uh within its borders so it is the kind of the with the doom calendar as it ticks up as they play through the big story that's in there um certain districts become unsafe at night monsters begin to roam conspiracies move forward uh, kind of like against the players you know their their sanctuary their home can get burned down uh, later down the line and they have to relocate and 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 lose a bunch of things so it's that idea of that um consequence again of but of longer form consequence because um with the kind of original kind of core system it's very focused on that movie night experience of like what i call like a one to three shot a lot of the time yeah um, work, worked really well for that but i wanted to kind of add something in there as well as kind of really show people that you can play a very long form game with shiver because we have been like that so spy home was our home game um that i did whilst we were playing um uh, with the core system and then the secondary book uh, for gothic is disciples of dragstone which gives you backgrounds for playing as our version of rat folk called scorians um uh, which are basically it's gone very teenage mutant ninja turtles under the city because of um <laughs> nice. religious zealots raiding an alchemist tower dumping it into the sewers brilliant um, and the rat folk have muted uh, the rats have mutated um into this medieval society that worship alchemy and are ruled over by a despotic rat king um, that your players can get embroiled in a revolution. So it's kind of one part sewer punk, other part lame is, um, okay, with, yeah. with, with a lot of dark dungeon crawly sewer based horror um, as well. And also awesome. gives you rules for playing as rat folk. That's cool. I really like the fact that you took your stress mechanic and also gave a long term. Hmm. Um, Cause one of the biggest things that I found, um, I hosted a horror RPG series, hmm. uh, uh, panel series at Gen Con and a lot of people were like we have no clue how to run a long-term horror game and that looks like it's a very quick and easy adjustment mm. to the play style thinking with all of that yeah. stuff too that allows you to have smaller moments within but also the larger long-term moments oh thank you yeah and we've got um like all full like blank doom calendars that are form fillable as well so if you just want to kind of 
tear out the Doom Calendar mechanic and put it on a sci-fi game, then you can as well. Um, awesome. so, so, it's, so it's all the design elements. That, it's one of the big things we're big on with Shiver is that we don't want to obscure how we make stuff. Um, yeah. We kind of want to be like, these are tools. These are tools that we use to make things. Please go and make stuff. I want to go see the crazy horror movies that are in everybody's heads. It's kind of the point of Shiver for me mm. is that I really want to encourage people to create tell their own stories tell their own horror stories and bring them to life on the tabletop as well as played like their favorites as well obviously but but it's really being able to enable people to create new stories for a rule set i think it's just very very rewarding so yeah so that's why we're very open with how we we design stuff and i was going to say with the with the doom calendar it, that addresses quite um i think the thing which is why the the problem with long term horror when you've got players that maybe come from other let's just say they come from the traditional D and D background of role playing is that for when you've got horror game I think it's it's especially true for horror games is when players as a as a collective feel that inaction is the best option because they because if they don't engage with with the with the things going on as much then nothing bad will happen they're trying to play a zero sum game and what i've done previously and we've we've it's on a very old episode of darker days of radio where we looked at how you build chronicles is what i call again it's a calendar and it's how to keep it organic and it's about the idea that you need to show players that not doing stuff is also bad so they shouldn't be afraid to act because everything they do will have a result in the world because you'll suddenly see that and you'll see the price of choice as well because they could act on one branch or act on another and you've then got your calendar to show how those branches evolve either through inaction or if they have acted on it then you know you've stopped that clock or you've delayed it or or whatever um i think I think in traditional D&D, you know, it's that whole thing of, well, if I don't go in that room, I don't know the monsters there. I don't need to care. It's out of sight, out of mind. It don't exist. No object permanence. I will go down this route and we're safe, which is very different to to having that feeling like or in horror, you know, if you don't do something, something bad will happen. And if you do something, something different bad will happen. That's, that's the point. And that's the tension. Um, so that's really cool. Great. Okay. I think that's, like I say, um, people can go back to the, the YouTube video. They can see um, the products and the artwork there. Obviously, they can go over to the Parable Games website and also you know, have a look at the products available there. But we should move on to the main, main topic then, which is don't play this game. So, um, so Charlie, this is a game that will be coming to Kickstarter soon. Yes, so the campaign will be launching on October 3rd um, okay. for Don't Play This Game. So don't play this game, but obviously please do. It's yeah. a it's a bit of a design departure for me um, in terms of kind of what we've been doing with Shiver before. So this is a solo RPG of like cursed found footage horror um, is, is how I would put it. And the, um, the idea of it is and like where it came from is did either of you ever get like a chain letter or like a chain email where it's yeah. like if you... Yeah, if you don't, if you yeah. don't do in seven days, something terrible is going to happen to you. Um, so I was reminiscing with some friends about um, like kind of our secondary school, and we were all kind of. Um, and for some reason, it came up of like when we first got given emails, those chain emails went around like absolute wildfire. Like as soon as like people kind of got their hands on like a school email and stuff, and it kind of got me to thinking of like that's actually quite creepy of that they're always kind of seen as something that's quite silly um really i think kind of contextually um but it got me to thinking of like what if there was an entity some kind of evil thing that spread that way a bit like a virus and what it wanted to do was play a game with people but its idea of playing a game was to make horrible strange supernatural and creepy things happen in that person's life and then make them record it in some way, whether it's mm -hmm. writing it down, recording an audio log, a video, drawing a picture, um, because that's how it feeds. That's how it keeps alive, is by people interacting with the things that it's making happen. And then if somebody doesn't interact with them um, and doesn't play the game, it then 
escalate things to a point that it's probably going to get very, very bad for that person, most likely kill them. So it's kind of a no-win scenario for a player, unfortunately, mm-hmm. in some ways. The best chance that people have really is to play and see if they can find the entity and defeat it. Um, but win or lose, um, the record that someone has been making through playing this game gets passed on, whether that's to another character that you make or say I had finished and I could go, Crystal, Chris, I've just finished this. Here you go. Here's my record. You're now cursed. And if you had the core rule book, you could then roll to kind of find your first starting event, read my record, whether my character is alive or dead. Um, either way it works, you could have dug it up in the back garden, could have arrived in the post, or it could have been handed over to you um, by my kind of very nervous character who's doing it to try and stay alive and get the game away from them. Um, you can then basically create your own found footage sequel to that. Um, And the idea with this is having a solo RPG that encourages a multiplayer community of creepy storytelling where people interact and spiderweb off of everyone else's ideas um, to try and kind of find a solution to defeating the game ironically though by playing the game it's what keeps the entity alive so mm-hmm. whether they will be able to win or not is anybody's guess that's yeah that's really cool that's i think that's the thing that changes because that there, there are other like you know i think there are other there are other examples of solo rpgs out there but i think mm. it's that that sharing of the content of that mm. collected content at the end mm-hmm. to another player and if you've got a group of friends who are playing it you know you can literally go you know pass the parcel with it mm. and you know you pass pass the journal on that. and then you have a new character because you've now got a new pack and then eventually you might get your original pack back that's now just grown <laughs> into this fat wadge of of madness. Um, and yeah, I mean, it, it taps into a lot of things because obviously um, if we're going to talk about found footage, we, we can't talk about found footage unless we talk about um, good old uh, Ghost Watch, which is ancient, brilliant UK TV, which was banned. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and the more recent... Um, the more recent uh, number uh, inside number nine, which was uh, uh, meant to be live, but it was basically Ghost Watch. They just did a Ghost Watch one year. Uh, that was really good fun. Um, and yeah, I mean, found footage is is I think I think the other things that spring to mind is also those classic kind of YouTube video series. Like, was it Marble Hornets? Was one yes. that's that's uh, that's definitely a a big inspiration. It's something yeah. I grew up with. Um, I'd say um, the Blair Witch definitely factors in um, for me. I mean, the way I pitched this game to my brother was, think of it like Pokemon Go, but instead of catching a Charizard, you're going to go get the Blair Witch and try not to Mm -hmm. die. Because that's one of the things the book does that I think also differentiates is it sometimes tells you to put the book down and go out and take a picture of an abandoned building or go on a walk in the woods somewhere or go and find and make something that is something that you've discovered on your doorstep. So it's very, um, rather than kind of like the foundation stone of journaling, which I think is, is, is a foundation stone, I think, for a reason. It's like the core of this kind of storytelling element of solo RPGs. What we wanted it to be was to go beyond the journal and become this big, creepy scrapbook that also was way yeah. more experiential. Like it was getting you up and getting you moving and getting you um, kind of out there and kind of playing around with stuff. Obviously, you don't have to do that. Like you can find an image of a spooky house online, drag it in into your record and put that in there as well. So so there's multiple ways to play the game, but it's that multimedia aspect is something I really want to encourage. I mean, it's more, it's, I mean, in this day and age, it's more possible than ever because the whole point is like everyone's literally got a cam, uh, a camera or, you know, video camera in their mm-hmm. pocket. There's so many Instagram filters out there you could potentially utilize to, to create your imagery. Um, like, it's just... Google Earth. Like... <laughs> yeah, yeah, Google Earth. Um, I mean, it, it, it's, it is definitely... It does allow that kind of like if you need something to act as a vehicle for your creative expression, I could see it as being a real mm-hmm. asset for that. Um, so that's that's really cool. So I guess I guess the thing which I have the the question I've got then with the concept is it's it's you know it's mostly like it, it's it's a question it's a it's something that really can't be answered. It's a solo RPG experience. Is there an 
end game state is the end game state essentially going i've finished telling the story i want with my character and gathering the the um let's call them the relics the 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 bits of information the the media is the end state when you go i'm done and i pass it on is that the end state that that base that that's when you win when you go i've made something cool and i want to pass on this 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 collection to someone so internally it's what we've been calling it in the company is like the end of a cycle so it's like whenever your character dies or defeats their entity um it gets to the 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 passover point um so 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 that kind of full cycle is is kind of a a end to kind of one iteration of the game as it were a bit like playing around as it were but that's the kind of beauty of it is that you can pass it on someone else so then it can continue for somebody else or you can create a new character um, when you're kind of good and ready and then do a new chapter that's then based off of something that, that you've kind of worked on and start building and you can build your own kind of narrative world within it um, regardless of like kind of whether you're handing it out to the community or not. So you can really play around with that. So I'd say, yeah, that's kind of the end state of the of a singular cycle. Um, but it's, as you say, when you're satisfied that the story that you want to tell has been told um then you can put it down for a while and and kind of not play with it but you may come up with a idea for a completely different character a completely different perspective a different environment to kind of play in um and give it a try again and it's the kind of beauty of the book in terms of that the demo that's out at the moment is a linear experience of like 10 events that you can play through. The main book is very different in the fact that it's more like kind of traditional um, solo RPGs where you have multiple events, you'll roll, you're prompted to roll a dice at the end and you move relatively randomly through the book until you kind of get to an end sequence. I have banded those to try and replicate the pacing of a found footage movie. Again, yeah. with my kind of cinema obsessiveness with it of um, doing a lot of, crunchy maths behind the scenes that the players don't have to see to get that pace correct um as well as like the banding the structural bandings of kind of hitting those like main beats as well um so yeah no in in terms of that that's really it it's it's where the player's satisfaction with it is but i think it is something that you can play you know three iterations of put down then you know maybe you've moved house you, you've made it uh, you know you've met like a new group of people you want to have a nice kind of interesting like bonding experience maybe you've joined a writing group and you say like hey i have this game and then you can basically write something and then pass it on to another person mm-hmm. and you can go around in a circle and, and it, it can be used in so many different ways whether it's for your own personal creative expression for group creative expression um to just as something that's kind of like maybe you want to practice photography a bit more so then you do a pass that is just entirely i'm gonna you know only use like photos and you know give myself a word limit on each entry or i'm gonna want to you know practice my performance or do more video or or like audio stuff so it's again like with the stuff we're saying about shiver is very much a framework of a rule set to encourage people to tell stories and create um, but kind of broadening the scope of it more in terms of like, you know, grab your paintbrushes, grab your pencils, you know, grab your voice recorder, your camera, um, and really like kind of go out there and make something and like tell a story in the way that you deem fit. Like, I think we've really opened up the bounds of how you can tell a story with this compared to the more traditional like pen mm. and paper at the table experience with an RPG. I really like how this addresses some of the concerns about playing a solo RPG, which is that once you're done, nobody else sees it. So is it really an RPG? And there's a lot of discussion around that. And like, this is like, no, you take this and then you hand it off to somebody who wants to play. Um, I am, I am huge on like the TikTok role playing, but, and like, I love seeing like characters and stuff like that and storylines and plots and people playing the game, like role playing games on TikTok. I'm really curious to see how that's going to pop up when this, mm-hmm. this game hits yeah. Kickstarter and people start playing it. So, so we've, we've had some lovely examples with um, our Discord community, um, which is kind of growing a bit, which is called Don't Share This Server, hilariously. <laughs> um, so um, yeah, so um, and we've been talking to various people who've um, kind of got the demo. So someone messaged us um, and they're on TikTok. And what they're doing is they're 
kind of doing some uh, uh, doing some rolling kind of like writing up kind of what they kind of feel that they might need and then they're going out into the woods and live action role playing it in chapters hmm. and recording it as video is is there is I there cannot a cannot wait to see that so much <laughs> i'm very excited for that one as and then on our currently we've got someone who's on the discord who has been releasing audio logs um mm. accompanied nice. with photo with photos to kind of explain so, so so in terms of like what's going on and that's been fascinating and like really well performed and like really enjoying it and then there's there's text there's drawings there's there's like someone's resurrected an old blog website and they've just completely retrofitted it to play the game on <laughs> there like it, it it's really encouraging and nice to see of just from a 10 event demo people have already run wild with it um yeah. in, in, in a lot of ways so i'm very very excited to see what happens when the entire the whole meaty book with you know kind of numerous events comes out like way more than 10 um yeah. it's, it's going to be very interesting to see, see what happens i was thinking that that going back to like the classic kind of found footage kind of concepts you know the um paranormal activity you know series and basically everything else that apes it um the thing which kind of sprung to mind as an idea as well is because this is this clearly demonstrates the fact that uh what would have been back in the day of world of darkness games called blue booking um is so much more than just writing down what does your character do between the events of this story and this story and thinking about what you were saying crystal with with you know the fact we're gonna we're gonna discuss like what is ghost hunting like in reality um (laughs) is it bollocks um and and so forth but but the thing which always happens when you in in these ghost hunting shows especially if you watch um ghost adventures is the classic one for it is when they've been as a group you can imagine that the group game you could run is and it's one of my favorite type of things to do with classic chronicles of darkness is um is just doing the haunted house no one's got any powers they're just going in with a camera and some audio equipment but the players the characters when they leave some of them get attachments and so this i feel like don't play this game would be very good at modeling between episodes a character having dealing with an attachment and mm. then that way you've narratively strung together what may be different ghost hunting missions we'll call them missions because but you know what i mean i just see there's a way it could it definitely could be apt as a very good tool to bolt onto another game which does the the group play and mm. then deal with right okay your character's got the attachment this t- this week go hog wild on mm. how you record what that attachment is like oh absolutely i mean it's something i've discussed with barney about for shiver of that what an experiment i would like to do is to create a record um and play through don't play this game and then use every event and little artifacts that i make as handouts in a shiver game for a group of people investigating the disappearance of that character yeah because because it basically generates a story Yeah, and, and generate yeah. stuff for you to give to your players that they can interact with. That's really in detail and depth. But you get the fun of it's not it doesn't feel like stressful prep then. You're playing a game. Um, yeah. and you're getting getting a lot out of it. And then you can pass that on to someone else and they can benefit from it as well. Then you can use it for your game as well. And it's it really kind of gives you massive options. But yeah, no, um I really love that idea of um it coming after us like we've gone and investigated a haunted house, we've gotten away of our lives, but something, you know, some some someone has picked up a book and has basically found somebody's record in the haunted library, for example. And has accidentally cursed themselves and it's attached it themselves. Yeah, to and and that's the you know it's always that classic thing. It's the first five minutes in Supernatural where you find out who's the victim this week. So mm. having a way of generating <laughs> your victim in a collaborative kind of um, found footage way is is really interesting. Um, okay, so as we we're getting close to the end, so so obviously for the Kickstarter, there's the book and. Mm. There's going to be, as well as the book, are there some other elements that will be in the initial Kickstarter to help, you know, you know I guess tools, things that facilitate playing the game? Absolutely. So, so the kind of main thing front and centre is the rule book that explains playing the game, safety tools, um, as well as like how to fill in uh, your character's anchor, so our version of like a character sheet. Um, along with that, we're doing digital and physical versions of a record. So basically like a 
nice kind of grungy notebook um, that's kind of like ready to go um, to, to, to use for that. We also use the full set of hol- polyhedral dice. So we're releasing a blood splattered uh, dice set. The implication being that it potentially belonged to someone else who was cursed before you and it didn't end very well for them. Um, the other thing that we're doing is something called um, inheritance boxes. Um, so these are unique um, storylines and sets of events uh, that come in a little booklet um, within a box, but they also come with artifacts. Um, so one, for example, um, is called the Toy Box, um, which is all to do about a kind of like spooky, spooky toy factory and store um, where, you know, you will have you will receive like this uh, little um, kind of booklet that gives you extra stuff to interact with. But you'll also have artifacts that you can interact with, take photos of and play around with, put in places that you want. So like one of them um, that's in the kind of key part of the market has been a distressed doll head. We ordered some surplus doll heads and i'm going to be distressing those and making unique artifacts to go in these boxes um including little music boxes that play different tunes so each one will have a little different tune in um as well as um you know a thumbstick with like yeah. some digital photos audio recordings uh, various bits so basically it um you've got the main book itself but you can plug in these extra events with like kind of a bunch of artifacts like that are ready for you to interact with and build out a very like kind of tailored experience that focuses down a track chain um so so that is something that we're offering as well and there will be three different um boxes um that will be be doing um we'll be doing an early bird special inheritance um if (laughs) we fund early um as well which i won't reveal exactly what that is is yet but it'll be something that if we fund early, everyone will receive a unique inheritance, um, which will be filled with a lot of cursed goodies. Everyone um, gets a puzzle box. Excellent. Every, 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 <laughs> everyone, everyone, everyone gets a little, 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 little puzzle box of feudal extra events and stuff to interact with. Um, we also have um, kind of another unique box at a much higher tier, which is kind of a more tailored experience to a certain player. And then finally, the classic, if you want to be really, really cursed, um, you can send us a picture of yourself and I will put you in the game into a cursed image um, in some cool. regard. Um, nice. and, speaking, and speaking of cursed images, one of the things we just announced that I'm very, very excited for. So I've been doing the vast majority of the art um, within the book as well as the layout. Um, but we are collaborating with like a, a broader kind of remit of artists uh, for this one, like the analog horror community. And we've just announced um, that contributing to the book for art is going to be Trevor Henderson, um, who is the creator of Siren Head and various other analog <gasps> horror ghoulies. Nice. You, you may have seen some of his kind of the analog horror world on the internet in terms of kind of like images. I think is very just synonymous with Trevor's art. It's it's well, it's cool. so spooky, so great, and really really excited to be working with him on some stuff. And in terms of stretch goals. Um, that is what we're going to be doing is bringing in more artists with different perspectives and, and different styles within that analog horror sphere to really up that, um, what I call that analog, like damaged VCR fuzz yeah. um, that we just want to smear all over the project. Cause it just has that intense, beautiful creepiness to it that I absolutely love. Excellent. That's really cool. Okay. Uh, was there anything else that you wanted to wrap up on then for for Don't Play This Game's Kickstarter? Was there any other things you can reveal at this time, or are we kind of does that cover everything? I think that covers everything I can reveal for now. Um, yeah. I'd say keep an eye on our socials and stuff because we will be revealing more stuff as we kind of make our way to the campaign. I think the last thing I would say is that if people are curious, if this is like your interest, but you're not sure. Um, through kind of various links which i'm sure will be kind of attached to this you can download a demo of the game that we've mentioned earlier and give it a try give it a whirl yeah um you know make your own spooky record and, and give it a try and see if this is something for you because for me it really filled the void of that i was really enjoying solo rpgs but what i wanted to do is just scare myself shitless and i think that is what don't play the game don't play this game is filling within the space is if you want a game that allows you to tell spooky stories that can scare yourself and scare your friends and then cause them to make more scary stories that can scare all of you, then this game's definitely for you. Yeah. And 
I think in res- with respect to what you said about more information coming out before the Kickstarter, so we will, this episode will mostly go out to, I'm looking at the date-wise, I'm going to aim to get this out on the 22nd of September, basically, so a week, or within the week of after of us recording, so that way, you know, we'll be at least fairly up to date with what information is out there, but as you said, like, keep an eye on the, on the uh, socials for more information as it comes out uh crystal any other any final comments questions no i'm actually i just followed you on all of your socials too because um (laughs) i (laughs) uh this like i i didn't know anything about the the kickstarter coming up i i knew a little bit about shiver and stuff like that um and this is like i got into solo rpgs over the summer and so like this is definitely something that i'm like oh wow this is really cool so, and I love found footage stuff. I love horror. Um, it's one of my, the genres that I absolutely love writing in. So yeah, this is definitely something I'm very excited about. Yeah, uh, it's definitely, definitely something to look out for. Um, and I think, you know, most of our listeners, I think will yeah. more than likely pick it up um, either through the Kickstarter or once it's out on general release. Um, right, so to wrap up then, um, if people want to find Parable Games, they can go to what bits of the internet? Um, so if they want to find uh, Parable Games, we are at, at Games Parable on Twitter, X, whatever it is, for how long it survives. Um, <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> um, on Facebook, um, you can find our two separate pages. We have a Parable Games site, but if you want to know what's going on with separate games, we've got one for Don't Play This Game, and we have one for Shiver RPG um so if you just search those uh, you'll find those we also have a shiver rpg players group as well on facebook um in terms of discord we have don't play this server um the links should be kind of all on one of our kind of main links um and for shiver uh, uh Shiv- we have our main shiver rpg server um as well which you can find links for too um instagram we're at shiver rpg um, and I think that covers most of our social media. But um, if you're interested in picking up anything that we're releasing at the moment, we're at www.parablegames.co.uk. We broadly ship to most places, including the States, the UK, Europe, um, uh, Australia, Canada. I think, yeah. I think those are kind of the main te- territories we cover at the moment in terms of shipping. Um, so if you did want to pick anything up, uh, you can. And we also do everything in digital as well. And for any of you who are looking for regular monthly horror story content for Shiver or for stuff to convert into other um, kind of systems, um, we have a Patreon. So Shiver RPG has a Patreon as well, where we release a new um, kind of full ready to play out of the box adventure case files, as well as new spooky games at our top tier, um, as well as scary, scary ambiences uh, to pop on whilst you're which is sound designed by me and my old sound design background, <laughs> my film TV days, uh, finally getting use out of that degree um, in a way that I enjoy. So, yes. Excellent. Um, so, yeah. So, um, so um, head over there um, if that's when it's interesting. I think yeah. that's, that's everything. And I'll make sure as many of those links are available in the show notes for the episode. So, obviously, people can just click on the links uh, below. Uh, obviously, if you are interested in Darker Days Radio, you can head over to at Dark Days Radio on Instagram and on X and on Threads. I don't think we've got Blue Sky yet. I need to make try and get an invite for that. I on got there. an invite. So yeah, we'll make I'll one there. Uh, um, Threads is more fun these days. I think Threads is 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 nice. It feels nice. Um, obviously, we're on Facebook. You can find us um, on our Discord. You can talk about this show and all other previous episodes. And of course, if there's anything, any comments, ideas, or anything else, you can find us darkdaysradio at gmail.com. Uh, I think that's everything, isn't it, Crystal? Yeah, sounds about right. Yeah. Great. So, Charlie, thank you again for coming on and chatting about Shiver and Don't Play This Game. And yeah, hopefully, you know, I'm sure the Kickstarter will do fantastic. And thank you again, Crystal, for co-piloting this episode and thank you very everyone for listening and uh just stay tuned for more episodes because we have got more things in the pipeline coming very soon so goodbye for now
This has been an episode of Darker Days Radio. Special thanks to Occam's Laser for the intro, outro, and new bumper music from their hit album, Nine Circles. Check out the rest of their work at occamslaser.bandcamp.com. Thank you.